0: Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. and Welcome to the Father's Table. This is Midday Meditations, and I am your host, Pastor Ronald Tate. I'm so grateful that you've joined us today uh, for 30 minutes or so. I look into the Word. We're quickened and made well and strengthened, and that more than anything, we fall in love with His voice. So I welcome you again. Welcome, welcome, welcome. One second. so grateful on this, this beautiful and one day, wonderful Friday. My wife just told me to turn the mic up. So I pray you can hear me well. I'm grateful to be here again for our second episode of season two. Uh, I pray that you are refreshed today. That his love would overwhelm you. That you would be filled to the overflow with his goodness, with his mercy, with his kindness today. Let's, uh, Let's quickly pray as we get into what the Lord has for us today, the one scripture that he's placed upon my heart for today. And uh, for those of you who are uh, watching us live on uh, one of the social media platforms, whether it's YouTube, Vimeo, or Facebook, um, if you are placing comments, I probably, I, I have a screen for one page in front of me, but not all of them. I will work to be able to sync all of those pages together so that I can see comments, not that uh, I would be able to answer them all during the podcast This broadcast right now, but I will see them afterwards. And again, like I said, I welcome you from wherever you are. If you're watching this on social media, if you could share this, that would be great. Let us know where you're watching from. We will be blessed. But let's uh, pray as we get into what the Lord has for us today. Father, we adore you. We honor you. We magnify you. We love you and we give you your rightful place this morning, which is the only place, first place, the head over everything that we do and everything that we are. We just give glory and honor to your name. And we welcome you. We welcome you here into our studio, but we welcome you right where everyone is watching and listening. And we ask that you would breathe upon them by your precious Holy Spirit, that you would quicken, make new their lives today. Make the word come alive inside of their hearts. And may you be magnified and glorified and lifted high In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, today we're going to be in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. And I I just want to touch upon this one passage that's a big one and has been a big passage for me over my life, and I will uh, tell you why in, in just a second. But we're we're going to read, and um, I'll read from verse one, and just go down. I'm just checking different feeds here. I'll, I'll read from verse one. Um, it says this in Colossians chapter three, verse one, and I'll tell you why afterwards. Why we are reading this. And again, for those of you just joining in, welcome to Midday Meditations with Pastor Ron L. Tate. You are on the Father's Table podcast. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above And not on things on the earth. Those are the two verses that we're after today. But I want to read down. He says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, listen to this, who is our life appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members. In other words, die to self which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. Oh, there's a big one. Here's another one. Do not lie to one another since you have put off look at it, here it is, put off the old man with his deeds. You have died to self and have put on the new man who is Christ who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And I'll Stop reading there. And, and I want to go back to the top. Verse 1 and 2, Are for our time together, is what I'm after this morning, or this afternoon, excuse me, it is noon time. Right before, he says, if then you were raised with Christ, at the end of chapter 2, he says this, and this will give us more context and clarity. In verse 20, he says, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? He says, if you died with Christ, and if you remember in Galatians 2.20, or if you know Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, and Paul is writing this letter as well to the Colossians, to the church at Colossae, Paul writes in Galatians He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. There is a translation that uh, I remember remember having years ago. I don't believe it ever picked up traction where it became uh, popular with people. It was called the Cotton Patch Translation, and it was a, a paraphrase. But it says of that verse, Paul, in his rendering that Christ is enjoying a second existence using my body. He says, if you died from the basic principles of the world and you're alive in Christ now, why have you subjected yourselves to religion again? To regulations, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish perish." with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed, listen, religion, self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. If you are dead in Christ, if you and I as believers have died with Christ, You and I are no longer alive. And so sin is not alive anymore in our our members. For anyone who tells you that there is no one who can live a sinless life on the earth, they have not met Christ. Because Christ, he died to remove sin once and for all is what the scripture tells us. John writes this in his epistle. He says that Christ died to do away with sin forever. Uh, Georgian Banoff, he, he said this. He made this quote. He says, if you believe that you cannot live a sinless life until you die, he says, Christ is not your Savior. Death is. And, and so, yes, do we have a flesh, and do we have these things tempting us and place, pushing upon us? Yes, we do. And yet, I believe that for every month that goes by, every six months, every year that goes by, these issues and things of our life that we have been uh, given ourselves to, things that have enslaved us and shackled us, these sins ought to fall off of our lives the longer we walk nearer and closer to Christ. So he says this in chapter 2, that if you've died, then don't subject yourselves to religious regulations where you place all of these do not and do's upon your life. It is one of the things that has caused a generation of believers. It was my generation and um, the generation of my mother. These religious regulations caused many people to want to walk away from it. But what it also did is it stopped us from teaching the, uh, one of the principles of holiness from the pulpits and from all over America and all over the world is these regulations because what we say is we are, um, uh, w- when we teach on holiness, we are uh, uh, putting rules upon people. We are, we are telling them you better live this way or you won't have this. You better do this or you can't have that. And what happens is we remove certain past portions and passages of the scripture that are vital to our life. The Bible tells us that without holiness, we cannot even see the Lord. And if we can't see him without holiness, it stands to reason that we must teach from the pulpits. We must teach in our discipleship classes. We must, must teach in our Bible colleges That holiness is an absolute. It is not a rule or regulation. It is a posture that because I love you so much, Jesus, I no longer want to do these things that would hurt your heart. See, we taught them simply as what Paul was saying here as a matter of following rules, following regulations, following things, or else we will get in trouble or else something negative would happen. Yet, if we teach holiness and teach some of these other heavy principles from the scriptures, heavy ways of life, according to ours, they're not really that heavy. When we teach holiness from the standpoint, I am married to you and no other. I love you with my whole heart, and therefore, I don't want to do this any longer. It's not a matter that I cannot do it. It is that I get to be with you, and in order to be with you, I must let go of everything else. We understand that principle when it comes to uh, marriage, or we're supposed to. We stand at an altar when we are married. We come into covenant, and we say say to our spouse or, or our significant other that we are taking vows to make our spouse that I am willing, I want to, not willing, that yes, I am willing, but I desire to forsake all others because I love you that much. You are the one for which my heart beats, and everyone else must take a back seat to you. This is what we do at the altar, male and female. And yet, when it comes to walking with Christ in this measure, Walking with the Father. Allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and govern our lives. We say that holiness is a rule and a regulation. No, it is love language. It is the language of the lover. It is the language that says you are everything. And everything else pales in comparison to you. And I desire not to hurt your heart. So therefore I forsake all that I might draw near to you. It is similar to, the, to obedience. We don't want to teach on obedience or we gloss over it quickly in this day and hour because we think it's simply a rule. It's a regulation. It's, it, is a, it is a word and a teaching to simply get me in line so that I don't step out and get in trouble. No. Uh, Jesus said this in the Gospel of John. He says, if you love me, you will obey me it is another love word just like holiness is if if you love me if i am the 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 glistening spark in your eye if i am what makes your heart beat you will hold fast to the things i say why because the things that i say are for your betterment they are to produce life inside of you They will cause you to walk into wide open spaces. And so we can go on and on. And this here, Paul in Colossians 2, he's saying, if you've died with him, why subject yourself once again, as if you didn't, to religious rules, traditions, and regulations that do not foster life in you? Because Paul understood that if I died with him, I also have been raised with him. And if I have been raised with him, I will reign with him. If I have been raised, then as he is seated and has been exalted and is seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father, so will I be. And so am I, even at this hour and at this moment. And so he tells us, don't allow yourselves to be subject to rules and regulations, but in chapter 3, verse 1. And this is where we want to pick up. I want, I'm i after verse 1 and 2. Next 10, 15 minutes. Excuse me. I am drinking my morning coffee, which happens to be a noontime coffee, afternoon. He says, instead of subjecting yourselves to the rules and regulations that don't do this and the do that, and all of these, which some could have their place, but he says there's a higher way. There is a greater way to live and a higher way to live. And he says this, if you were then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. He, he says, this is the higher way. I don't know about you, but over the course of my life, uh, I gave my life to Christ this, this month, 23 years ago. And through the course of that, that period of time, there has been... Numerous things uh, that have taken place. As far as my growth, discipleship, I've been taught very helpful things. I've been taught wrong things. I've been taught principles that were true, but they were given incorrectly. The motive was incorrect. I've been taught religious traditions, all types of things. But as it pertains to this right here. I don't know about you, but multiple times over the course of my walk with the Lord, I have been told that I was too serious about the things of the Lord. I was told, I've been told, literally, I I remember a time uh, me and my wife were dating just before, a few months prior to us being married. And I remember a group of her friends, um, and we all went to the same church, but my wife is uh, nine plus years younger than I am. And I remember a group of her friends, and these are believers, telling her that I was just too serious as far about the things of the Lord. It didn't take all of that to serve the Lord. I've had people tell me that it didn't take all of that to serve the Lord. You don't have to do all of those things and be that serious about him. He knows your heart. I I have had times where I believe that the Lord wanted me to fast, and I had people encourage me, oh, you you know, it's okay. We're going out to eat today. The Lord understands. You, You can have a meal. He understands. It's interesting to me that we will all say that the Lord understands. But my question is, how many of us are asking others the question, do you understand the Lord's heart? We want to say the Lord understands in order for us to take a step back from our commitments to him and say that he's okay. And yet, if someone were to break a vow to us we may say it's all right, but it would rub us some kind of way that maybe we would not be as quick to step into some sort of agreement with the person later on. Or maybe we would not trust their word as quickly the next time. Uh, m- but we want to say that the Lord, he he understands. He, he's OK. He'll be all right. I see in the scripture that from Genesis through Revelation that that just may not be true. I see in the scriptures from Genesis through Revelation that the Lord requires of us to obey his word and to keep our word to him, to pursue him with everything that we have and everything that we are. Mm -hmm. So much so that he, Paul, writes in 1 Corinthians 7, I believe it's 1 Corinthians and not Second. Let me, uh, I don't want to go there because it'll pull me off. He says that even those who are married in this last day and hour ought to live in such a way as though they were single, though they are married. Because it's just that meaningful. The Bible tells us that you and I, even as believers, will stand in judgment before the Lord. Not on whether we uh, made him our Lord or Savior or not. But we will stand before him in judgment based on whether we did what he had planned for us to to do with our lives while on this earth. It is just that serious. His desire is that we live fully for him. That we live completely to him. It is that serious. I also had a couple of people. One, I can remember. I, I, remember his, I remember him dearly. I went on mission trips even after he made this statement to, to me. He has gone home to be with the Lord several years ago. But I can remember him saying to me, he wasn't the only one, but I remember him saying it. He said to me, make sure that you're not so heavenly-minded that you are no earthly good. And I don't know if you've ever heard that statement, but it's a very religious statement. With its roots, some people will think that it's spiritual, godly spiritual. It's spiritual, but it's demonically spiritual. It is this standpoint that makes sure that you are not so fixated and focused on heaven that you can't operate on the earth. Uh, In other words, I don't want you to look like you're weird in society to other people. And yet this verse I just read, and we're going to read it again, contradicts that completely. And I'm glad the Lord brought me here when he did years ago and showed this to me. I've had people tell me after I remember in my time of training to be a pastor. I can remember the pastor of the church we were at He was out of town, and he called upon me to speak this one Sunday. And after I was done, the pastor got the report, of course, from the people. And I remember one woman telling him that he is just too passionate when he preaches. In other words, your style doesn't suit me. And I would really wish that you would change your style to fit my listening capacity. In other words, you carry a fire inside of your heart that I do not. And it convicts me, but I don't see you as being better or more than me. So I want you to bring it down a notch so that I can feel comfortable while I'm here. Yet this scripture in Colossians says, if then you were raised with Christ. He says, seek those things which are. Are above. Paul again in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Paul writes in Colossians 2.20, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, therefore we have died with him. When he was on the cross, he died as me, not just for me, but as me. And because of that, my sins have been cleansed. But I have also been raised to newness of life in him. Second Corinthians 517. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. I have been raised. So if I have been raised with Christ, my eyes should be fixed upon heaven. David cries out in the Psalms. He says, no matter, there war all around me. There are enemies encroaching on every side. And he says, but my eyes are on you. I believe it's Psalm 68, 14. He says, but my eyes are on you. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. If I died with him, I should not be consumed with the these elements of this world that had me gripped before or bound before. And if I have been raised with Christ, then where he is, my eyes ought to be fixed there. You and I have been raised. Then verse 2, this totally contradicts. That statement, I said, the statement is again, make sure that you are not so heavenly minded that you are not any earthly good. Verse two says, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. You could change that statement that if I don't set my mind on heavenly things, I will be of no earthly good. He says that my mind. Must forever be. Upon the things of God and on heaven. It is the only thing that makes me of value in the earth. In our day right now in 2020 and 2021, we have fought through a lot of things. We have seen a lot taking place. And sadly to say, biblical illiteracy is at epic proportions. And you, see, you are seeing many who are believers whose hearts and minds are fixated upon the things that are taking place right here in this earth. We are fixated. And that does not mean that we don't need to deal with the issues, political, uh, uh, communal, from racism, sexism, genderism, all of these isms. It doesn't mean that we don't have things that we ought to do to deal with them. But our eyes must be fixed upon heaven. It is the only way that we will be of any value in this earth. In Hebrews 11, I like to call it the hall of faith. It's where the heroes of faith are spoken of. But there's one passage at the end of the chapter. It, 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 after saying that they were they were sawn in two, they gave their lives, they didn't see the d- dead raised, they were destitute, they were poor, they lived in caves. It says, and the world was not worthy of these. They didn't have all of the things that our society would deem as being successful and making it. But the one thing they did have was the Lord himself. They had the father himself and his spirit and says "And the world was not worthy of them. See, when we make those religious statements, make sure that you are not so heavenly minded, that you're no earthly good. We're saying, don't be weird. Just blend in, live a nice, comfortable life and be like everyone else. And the Lord is saying, I want to take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He says, I want to make you a fool for me that I might destroy the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of the enemy's kingdom and lift up mine. If you have been raised with Christ, which all of us who are believers in Christ have, seek those things which are above. Let our minds be fixated upon him. What does he desire for us? What is he longing for from us, for us? Let my mind be fixated upon his heart. What do you desire, O Lord? What is the desire and the cry of your heart? Set your mind, verse 2, on things above, not on things on the earth. Let my mind, my heart, let my entire being Be gripped with his voice. Be gripped with what his plans are. When there are things taking place in the earth that we do not understand, that we do not like, that may not feel good. Instead of setting our mind on earthly things and how we can change, how we can physically change them, how we can do certain things. Let's set our minds upon him and say, where are you in the midst of this and what are you saying and what are you doing? And move from that place. I wanted to read that today, that passage to tell you that unless you set your mind completely, totally upon the things of heaven, upon the Father, upon Jesus the Son, and upon the Holy Spirit, you will be of no value in the earth. But if all that you are If everything that you do, if the entire posture of your life is, Lord, what do you desire? And how do you see me fitting into your desire? And live from that place and that posture. Your value in the earth, whether your name is known by many or few, will be eternal in the heavens. We have a heavenly audience that is cheering us on right now. Hebrews 12, 1 tells us this. The great cloud of witnesses. If we would set our mind and our gaze there, we would not be so disappointed and so dejected and discouraged when many here in the earth turn their back on us. Because there's a crowd Cheering us on. Set your gaze. In the heavens. Set your mind. Completely. Totally. Upon heavenly things. And then. Your real value will be seen. Here in the earth. Then. Your marriage will be great. Then. Your parenting. Will be great. Then. Then. Your family, your home life will be supernatural out of this world. Your work life will be otherworldly because it will be kingdom. Your ministry, your church life, your relationships would be on an entirely different level. Because your gaze will be upon heaven and what heaven desires and bringing and ushering his kingdom into this world. One more time, if you then, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, if you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear With him in glory. Amen. Well, I pray that that has been a blessing for you today. This afternoon, quick little verse, Colossians. We are to set our minds upon him in everything. He is everything. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you today for your goodness. I thank you for your majesty. I thank you for your glory. I thank you for your love. May you have your way in our midst. And Holy Spirit, would you help us set our mind and our gaze upon you and you alone. Speak to us in greater measure out of your word. Speak to us in the situations of our life. And speak to us of the days ahead and your plan for our lives. We love you. We honor you and we magnify you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, this has been Pastor Ron L. Tate of the Father's House Church here in Frisco, Texas. And this is our podcast called The Father's Table. And we just finished with our Friday segment, which we title Midday Meditation. So I thank you for joining us. And I look forward to next Friday, April 16th. 16th and I pray you'll join us then may you have a blessed tremendous overcoming week in by and through the presence of the Lord remember to set your eyes upon him and him alone and he will direct your path love you see you soon